Well, it's good to whoa, it's good to be here again back in the we we switched to one mic and uh, I uh you know I used to not you know I used to be I still struggle some but um almost scared of the sound of my own voice. You know, when it, you know, growing up and I didn't start really singing uh, that much until young adult, young adult, 20s, 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 on into my 20s, was singing, what I mean by singing, well, I'm, in, talk, I'm talking about in church. You might, afraid somebody might hear you, right? Somebody might hear you. And that would be, that would be, you would, if you're like me, it would be a little, you'd feel embarrassed. But get over it. Get over it. What is heaven going to be? We're going to be singing a lot. We're going to be worshiping. And I believe there will be more than that. Be more than that. We shall be changed. Amen? This body will be changed. You ought to really be excited now. Remember when you could jump from one thing to the next, Horton? Remember when you could swing from the trees? God is good. Though we have trials, though we have testings, though we have ups and downs, though we lose keys or misplace them, the lost is found. The sick are healed. The dead will be raised to life. You serve a good God. He's not created you just for yourself. Created you for all eternity. That you will live with him. And from glory to glory to glory, I believe we will keep learning and never exhaust the riches of who he is. So Paul is in prison. And we're going to Colossians eventually here. Little book of Colossians. Written in prison. By thou, you'd think maybe Paul was discouraged. Bound in chains. But he wrote as we can hold in our hands today, the written, much of the written word of the New Testament. I believe that God uses our pain, our setbacks, to further his kingdom if we let him. I believe that. I believe that our weaknesses can be made strong in his strength. And if you and I have struggles in this life, You're not different. You're just human. But you serve. As Dwight Palmquist said once, I'm just an ordinary man serving an extraordinary God. He went on to be with glory in the last several couple of years. Served the Lord faithfully in the Philippines. Many times his life was in danger, but his time was not yet. 
that God would spare him in a much, he had a spirit of Paul. He had that spirit of, of Jesus. You see, Paul had the spirit of Jesus after he was converted. And so Colossians, by now, reviewing a bit, we were left off a bit, and we, we were in chapter 3 last week, and we, we dealt with a little bit about keep seeking the things above Set your mind on the things above. Oh, how we need to be reminded. Oh, how I need to be reminded daily that he is on the throne. He is looking down toward a heart whom he would fill. He's looking for people who will seek him. And he knows if you'll seek him, he will, you will find him. He's looking for those who want him. Talked about the old life and the new life. A little bit in this chapter. Verse 9 of chapter 3, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self. In other words, don't go back to being the old man, the old self. Don't go backwards in your walk with Jesus. If that happens to you, get back on the right track. Step, step again into the, the blessing of the Lord, and I believe that God would have us walk by His Spirit. Is that possible? I believe it is. Because Galatians tells us if we will walk by the Spirit, if we will put our hearts toward the Lord, that he is there to build us up, to renew us in power. In the book of Acts, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but then they were renewed and renewed and renewed. It just didn't happen one time, but they would, they would get together and pray again in another place that said the whole house shook. The Holy Spirit showed up. I wish the Holy Spirit would shake us sometimes, to shake, 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 shake us, shake, shake our circumstances. I believe we will have to pray hard for that. But we have to want it. In order to get more of God, you have to want more of God. I believe it's... What you put into the coffee pot, you will get out of the coffee pot. <laughs> right? And the key was this. In this chapter, I'm reviewing. Verse 16, he gives, gives a word, he gives us a word of practical what we need to do in order to help keep our minds on the things above. Let the word of Christ, number one, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many have memorized a few scriptures? Yeah, it, it, only, it, it, it only happens by repeating it, repeating it. For me, I had to, you know, repeat it, repeat it, and then repeat it again, and then review it. Keep it on the heart. Proverbs talked about, write it on the tablet of your heart. The word of God is rich. In fact, Proverbs says in chapter 3, it is, will be healing to your body, healing to your bones. Claim that over your body. The word of God brings healing. Because Jesus is the word of God and Jesus is the healer. And so how many know the battle is in the mind? It's oftentimes we, get, we can slip into a, uh, oh my goodness, 
I felt myself slipping into that this morning when the keys were lost. I felt myself, oh boy, no, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Chain wrecks. Hello. Come on, Norwegian, whatever you are. Here's what it says to do. The word of Christ richly dwell within you, admonishing one another. Oh, the purpose of the word of God in my life is not only for myself, it's to admonish, encourage, build up someone else who may also be going through a trial of some sort, a challenge. It says, admonishing with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How many have had a song sometimes come to you when you were just going through your day? Hey, man. It's a good thing. The help of the Holy Spirit. In order for us to get something going, we have to put something in. So the Holy Spirit can only remind you of, of what you've read or what you've put in or what he's given to you. It prompts you. It's kind of a, if you don't have it in the bank, you can't put a check out. Well, you shouldn't at least. Okay? Cash or, you know, credit. It just so happened Saul and Paul and Silas, rather, Paul and Silas used this technique. Remember they were in prison? About midnight, one of them said, let's sing. I don't know which one. Let's sing. So it says, Paul and Silas began to sing. I don't know what they sang. Maybe they sang, God is so good. Maybe they sang, Amazing Grace. I doubt it. Never had it yet. But whatever it was, it was probably something out of Scripture. And something began to happen. Something began to shake as an earthquake occurred and released them from their chains, fell off. And the jailer said, whoa, you guys, what must I do to be saved? What is it that you have? And they said, believe on the Lord, and you will be saved and your house. God wants not only to save individuals, he wants to save entire household, entire families, and that brother, and that sister, and then their cousins, and then on into the on and on it goes. If you started to count up all your family members, it'd be pretty good. Some of you more than others. I remember my dad said once at a Christmas party, I didn't ever think I'd have so many kids. When he started out, well, he only had seven. 
blessings from God. Why? What is it? What is it about this life that fulfills us? In other words, what can we do? What is most important? What is, where is our value when it comes to living on this life? And I believe it, it stems into the, the relationship with God, number one, but the relationship with family. God originated family. God originated man and woman to be the leaders, to be, be fruitful and multiply. Then we learn sin came into the picture. But Jesus already had that figured out. He already knew this stuff. And he already was set to come to the earth and give his life. And therefore, just like Jesus gave himself up for the church, Paul uses that illustration for husbands to love their wives. And now we have a, a, a brief window in these verses, 18, about husband and wife. Verse 18, wives, be subject to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. In other words, the wife, if she has a believing husband, ought to be easier to love that husband. Hey, amen, amen, come on. It ought to be easier to deliver that person. Whoa, get quiet here. Fitting to the Lord. The Lord wants to bless the man and woman, husband and wife. And it's a good thing. Now, the husband should make it, he should live in such a way that the wife wants to follow him. If she believes, and they're, and they're, and they're running, the, you know, this isn't, this isn't always the case, because sometimes you have a believing husband and a non-believing husband, or a believing wife, or non-believer, sometimes that's the case. Uh, Peter gave instruction to the, the, the woman, the wife, who had an unbelieving husband, don't preach at him. He says, he, he says just live the life. Be gentle in spirit. You'll win him without a word. Well, sometimes it's easier said than done, but we believe that's God's way. Be patient with us. Husband, love your wives. Don't be embittered against them. And then he switches into children. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well, I don't have any kids here right here today. Another place is that if the kids will obey their parents, you'll live a long life. And it says, fathers, don't exasperate. Some of you may have a different version. I'd like to know what that word, your version is. Don't exasperate. Don't, don't, don't. What, what, what does it say? Don't exasperate your children lest they, they lose heart. There's, 
there's a, something that seems to hit, you can push too hard. You can be forceful and it'll backfire on you. You can't force your kids. You can only live by example and pray and try to be an encouragement. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. And I wonder, you know, we, we, we all need boundaries. We all need boundaries. Fathers have responsibility to pray for their children. They've been given a God-given role to be the priest of their home. Wasn't it Job who he, he made sacrifice because his kids had a party, and he says, in case they sin, he was interceding for his children. Fathers, we're, we're seeing some it's, it's tough, tough days that we live in because sometimes the father's not in the picture. What happens then? Here's what needs to happen. The church needs to come alongside and become an encouragement to their people as much as possible. So there's, we live in a broken world, amen, a broken, messed up. It's that which God came down to Save. And so then he leads on, he goes from wives to husbands to children to working relationships, slaves. In this day, in these in the days of Paul, it was common to have people that were servants in, in, their, in, their, in their occupation. But he, he mentions slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service. Those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, then he gets down to whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord. And that, that really breaks it down to where you and I are at. Whatever we do, we need to be doing it as unto the Lord. And that's a simple thing that's taken out the garbage. Don't get too excited. But somebody's got to take out the garbage. We all have our routines. I was with a guy on a job once. He was doing concrete work. And I picked up a phrase. No, it's not a swear word, no. He said this, why do we got to work so hard? <laughs> I had to, that's just, Kind of hit me. We don't have to work so hard. We, we get to work hard. It's how you look at it. I know you, you don't have to work as, you don't have to try to be so and so. You don't have to go at your own pace. That's what the Lord wants. He's got a rhythm, He's got a, a plan, He's got, He made you. Maybe you're the, one of these guys that, you know, can do it quickly, and you're, uh, there's someone else, he, he take half a day to clean a fish. You know, it's just the way they are. It's the way it is. It's, it's okay, but it drives a person who does it fast crazy. You see, there's the test. And now the certain individual over here seems to be slower at what they do, but, but they're doing it the best they can with what they have. 
Whatever you do, do you work heartily? Well, that was all prelude. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to have points today, but sometimes points are okay, but it's all scripture. I love to stay in the scripture. You see, my thinking, what I think, will not change people. God's word. And so when he talks about prayer in the next chapter, after he talked about masters, grant your slaves justice. In other words, it works both ways. Slaves, be obedient to your masters. But masters, you have a responsibility to treat your slave with fairness. This is basically what he's saying. Let's put it in our terms. You have a responsibility to treat your, if you have employees, and you're the employer, you have a responsibility to be fair. Let's break it down a bit farther. How about a co-worker? How about someone you're working with? How about that person that sort of kind of doesn't do it the way you would do it? How about some of the ladies here? Maybe you have a recipe and that's it, and that's the way you do it, and there's no other way to do it. But someone else may have a different recipe. Right? So we're to build one another up. Encourage each other on. Grant each other with fairness. Really only matters what the Lord thinks. I'm only, Lord, I should be mostly concerned, what does God think? I'm going to answer to God. So, he gets into prayer. Attitude of prayer. Attitude of thanksgiving. Verse 2, devote yourself to prayer. We can't say enough about prayer. Sometimes we say too much about prayer and do not do enough praying. I'm guilty. We talk about prayer, but we need to go to prayer. The difference is we can learn about prayer, but we learn mostly about prayer when we get into prayer. And I also have learned to notice and observe that I learned by how other people pray. What spurs me on is to hear their heart after God and see how they pray. Pray. I wonder if anyone in this room had had a mom and dad like mine that, that you overheard their prayer life growing up. You overheard at times they were in prayer. I'll tell you what, there's something that will make an impression on you. That when you've had parents or someone that's close to you praying for you, or praying for circumstances, and it's, it led you to the throne room. See, we won't have all the answers, friends. We don't have all the answers. But we ought to know the path to help people walk the path that comes to the Lord who knows all the answers. I think sometimes 
I know this, that God can do a whole lot more in one minute than I could in a lifetime trying to convince someone. So don't forget to pray. Pray about everything. Pray about the little things as well as the big things. Well, you say, God's so busy. I don't know. I've heard this one. God is so busy. Why would he bother with me? Well, he does. He wants everyone to call upon his name. He doesn't want to leave anyone out. Every, if your problem is not too small or too big for a God. And so when this morning when I was feeling anxiety come up, I kind of went to the window at one point at the door. And I said, Lord, I just prayed in my mind quietly, Lord, you see what's going on. You know my heart. Help me to trust something like that. Help me to trust. You know, immediately there's this load that gets lifted. And it exactly is what Paul was talking about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When you pray, pray with thanksgiving. Thank God already as an advance what he's already done, not only what he's going to do, what he has done, and he's going to do great and mighty things all the way through this life. And then he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We need to have a guard over our hearts and minds. Lest we start to slip, lest we start to drift. Hebrews describes. Drifting. Beware lest you drift. In other words, faith requires action. And this gets to the next set of verses. And Paul talked about your prayer life. Now he talks about your, your conduct, how you live, what you emulate. Because this is going to make a difference on someone else that's looking in from the outside who has not yet come to fully believe, or maybe they're sort of believer, or sort of they just need encouragement. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. In other words, God gives us opportunity. An opportunity sometimes comes in the most, to us, the most inconvenient times. Right? Oftentimes when we're in a hurry, if I'm in a hurry, the Lord reminds me, don't be in such a hurry, you forget about the people you, you are trying to help and encourage. I get so focused on projects, I get so focused on what I'm trying to accomplish, and I forget, the Lord wants us to be in sync or harmony with Him. That we're walking into your work week, saying, Lord, or today, Lord, is there someone here that I need to talk to? Is there someone I need to listen to? Is there someone that's hurting? Is there someone who I need to take a little extra time with just to, perhaps they are wanting to talk? And so it's a learning process. How many are, are you, you find it? You gotta, you gotta tune in to the Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord. And it takes prayer, 
It takes patience, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most. One of the ways that we can make the difference is by what we don't say that comes out of our mouth that the world would say. Hmm? Oh boy, I've been a lot of I've been around a lot of construction. And some of you guys know how a sailor talks. Interesting. Almost like you need to take a bath when you get home. Seriously. Seriously. Get the words going again. Some of you have been to school. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you maybe are in college or you've been around it. It's That's our world. And that's whom God is saying to you and I, let's reach out to them. Let's be the soul. Let's your speech, verse 6, be uh, seasoned with grace. And my wife took this somewhere. She said something, and it stuck with me. You know, you've heard the story, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah? Carrie would say, but you can put a salt tablet in their mouth. Yeah? That's not in Scripture. But the principle of salt and light, how can we encourage someone to want the Lord? Let me put it to you this way. Paul said in Romans, how will they hear unless when someone preaches, and how will the preacher go unless someone sends them? How will they hear unless they hear the preacher preaching the gospel? Who's the preacher? You and I. You're, you're a preacher by, by your lifestyle, by what comes out of your mouth, words of encouragement. Speech always be seasoned with grace. This is a challenge, folks. Our conduct speaks volumes to people. You tell real quick how someone, what kind of a mood they're in by what their actions are. Oh boy, husband and wife. Let me pick on husband and wife. If the husband and wife slams the door as they go out of the house, it sends a message, oh, they must be upset. Oh, maybe they're upset. Or maybe there was a misunderstanding. Right? Conduct. I'm going to finish off with a, a little review. Back to chapter 3, I purposely skipped over some of the verses because I knew I wanted to come back to these verses. These are... Excellent verses for you and I to hide in our heart. If you remember, we read them very often. Chapter 3, verse 12. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, <laughs> bearing with one another, 
forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint. He's talking about believers. He's talking about the church. But it also needs to cross over into the world. If the world sees us forgiving, if the world sees you with compassion, if the world sees you as being a patient person, they're going to come to their senses and wonder what you have. What is it that you, what do you have in your heart? It's like the jailer who said, what must I do to be saved? You guys have some. That power of the light. How do you respond to a person that is leaving, uh, letting out words that are I wouldn't repeat them? How do you respond to that? First of all, first of all, I, I tell myself that they don't know better. Or they know better, but they're not walking with one. It gives me a window into their life. Now I have the choice to say, well, I don't want to be around that person. Or I have the choice to say, you know what? I, I had it. I said, maybe I said this something like, you, we don't have to use words like that. I mean, Instead of saying that, say sugar. I had a friend who actually got saved. We were laying blocks, and he, he I know he was tempted to say the, the wrong, the bad word with the next, and he started saying sugar. What's happening? I told you about the logging era when the when the loggers, the horses, the, the oxen wouldn't respond to the they had a new language. They couldn't. They were used to the cussing and swearing. They, they couldn't. Res- Crazy. And so I end with this challenge to you and I: hold steady when you're in those circles. When someone's angry, or you know, try to just be calm and don't engage. Don't go to their level. Stay calm with the help of the Lord. I had an experience when I was a young man in college. I was working with a crew. They were block layers, but they were hurting very badly because the young, the, the youngest son, who was about my age, maybe a bit younger, had drowned that spring. We were in a fishing trip up in, I think, up in. Rainy Lake area, somewhere, somewhere like that, and they were, they were uh, having a party on the fishing boat, and uh, ended up capsizing. The young man that drowned helped his friends get to the shoreline or, or get their, get their boots off, get them to be able to swim. But he went down after that. And so when I walked on the job, randomly I picked this person out of the paper. And he called me back, show up such and such, I'll test you, come and test your talents with us, what he said. He was looking for someone to help in the concrete work. 
And so I developed this friendship relationship. Once, every once in a while, I get to ride with one of the brothers. There was two brothers left, and the, the father, who was, went by the name Big D. And when he spoke, everyone jumped, and it was, that was it. And he sort of had that whip crack in his voice. But I, long story longer, uh, the, the party, you know, the, the Christmas party thing, the employees were, were invited. I, I said, I'm going to go because this may be an opportunity. So I, I'm beginning to work with these guys, and they're seeing. I'm just quiet. I'm just doing my job. But every once in a while, they would ask me questions. You're going to Bible school? You missed your call. They'd say stuff like that. Or they'd say, oh, I suppose you can't eat meat. Friday. They'd say stuff like that, and I just... Just small stuff. We'd be riding along sometime and he'd start to ask questions. And I'd be able to just share my story, share my, share my heart. But there was at this one Christmas party, I remember Big D being upset. He had had a few drinks. And he just put his finger right on my chest and went like this. And God, he, he was, you know, he was upset and he was dealing with grief, and he, he basically said something, God took my son. And it was like saying to me, what do you think about that? I was able just to, I don't know what I said, I held steady, I said something like, God didn't take your son. He gave his son. Something like that, I said, I knew the Holy Spirit was helping me. And he just shut up. He just stopped. He just stopped, and he listened. You see, it's, we need to be praying, oh God, help me to say something when I should and say, don't say it when I shouldn't. But it, see, it's the conduct. Somehow I felt like perhaps maybe I've earned a little bit, just a little bit of right to be heard. And uh, several of those at least one of the brothers and Big D and his wife I was able to pray with individually in some way encourage them in the Lord. I don't know. God only orchestrates those kinds of things. So that the whole world, we sang this song, there's a whole world outside our window. And it's not just, you know, sometimes it's so easy to get comfortable just with our own family, just with our own community. You never know, you never know. The next person, the Lord may be saying, now is the time to speak, go for it. Let your speech season with grace. If I could add one more thing, Clarence St. John said it this way, don't shine the light too bright. What he was saying, he was talking about evangelism, and he went to Hibbing, he started a church. He rebuilt the church there for 20-some years. And he would go door to door. Sometimes he, he would go to people in their businesses, and he would say, don't shine the light so bright that they can't, you know, don't overdo it. Just a little at a time. Be the light, but don't overpower it. I thought that was good advice. Amen. What do you think? Should we sing that song again?
that world outside your window, if you don't remember anything, you'll go out of here singing, oh, 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 can we try it again? I think that would be great. So I'll switch back the mics. This is the first time I've tried this song in the church. Well, actually, it's the second time. You ready to stand again? Let's pray before we sing this this funeral. Give the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's such a privilege to to have you in our hearts. No matter what life brings upon us, help us to see the bigger picture. Help us to see beyond our natural and to see by the supernatural power of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit to discern what is really going on and really see the need and really pray against and for and take care of the spiritual battle that is in this world. Oh, 